Hello and welcome. You are listening to the teaching ministry of Coastal Oaks Church in Rockport, Texas. It is our hope that you will be encouraged and that your desire to follow Jesus Christ will be challenged and strengthened as you listen to this podcast. For more information on location, service times, and what to expect on your next visit, go to coastaloakschurch.org. Now grab your Bible and study along with us as you listen. invite you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 this morning as we continue the Christmas story, reminding ourselves today not to forget the good news. You know, that happens at Christmas time often. One of my favorite Christmas stories is, is the story of the Wright brothers back in 1903. They, they sent a telegram back to their hometown of their sister, to Catherine, and this is what the telegram said. We've actually flown 120 feet, their first flight. We've actually flown 120 feet. We will be home for Christmas. So she took that message to the local newspaper, and the editor looked at it and said, oh, good, the boys will be home for Christmas. (laughs) See, he missed the big news. Did you miss the big news too? That they flew. He was focused on one thing, and he missed the flight. Sometimes we get so focused on the stuff of Christmas the, the, the trappings, I love that Andy prayed already, keep us from getting trapped in the trappings of Christmas that we miss the real good news, the real meaning of Christmas. If you would follow along as I read from the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2, verse 1. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. And this first registration took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him, and she was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. She gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in snuggly cloth and laid him in a feeding trough, because there was no room for them at the lodging place. Verse 8. In the same region, shepherds were keeping or staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. And then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them. They were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy. There it is. That will be for all the people. Today a Savior who is Messiah, the Lord, was born for you in the city of David. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in cloth and lying in a feeding trough. And suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph, and the baby who was lying in the feeding trough. And after seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary, treasuring these things up in her heart and meditating on them, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard, just as they had been told. Let's stop right there. A familiar story. We read it every Christmas. We read it usually on Christmas Eve. We read it going into Christmas. But I want us to focus on that, the truth that the angel stated. This is, this is good news. 
This is not just about a baby. I love what the choir just shared, the incredible story that a baby changes everything. Four things I want to share with you this morning as we look at this this text, application for us, what happened to them, and it needs to happen with us. First of all, number one, be amazed at the story of the Savior's birth. Be amazed at the story of our Savior's birth. Mary and Joseph traveling from Nazareth to Bethlehem, joining a caravan. In those days, caravans were common, and especially during this time of taxation registration, and they hooked up with one of those caravans and probably traveling much slower than, than an individual would. They were creeping along, and her being pregnant, being even slower, and they joined that caravan on the way to Bethlehem. Hard to find a place to stay, the Bible says, that there was no room for them in the lodging place. The King James Version says in, that really is lodging place. It, it could have been a, a side room of the, of the ancestral home of Joseph. It could have been a courtyard. It could have been a, a place where caravans stayed and kept their animals. And there was no room for them in the, in the house, so they stayed in that place. And this translation translates manger feeding trough. That's exactly what it was, a place where the, the animals were fed. That's that, that opportunity for them to go and just be be where God wanted them to be in his timing. Almost every Christmas I read Ken Geyer's account of this story, and I want to read it again today. Every Christmas when I read it, I say, i got to share that again, because he captures for me, he's one of my favorite writers, what really took place in those moments. Listen to what Ken Geyer writes. Joseph's eyes dart around the stable. Not a minute to lose. Quickly, a feeding trough would have to make do for a crib. Hay would have to serve as a mattress. Blankets, blankets, Ah, his robe, that would do. And those rags hung out to dry would help. A gripping contraction doubles Mary over and sends him racing for a bucket of water. The birth would not be easy, either for the mother or the child. For every royal privilege this son of this son ended at conception. A scream from Mary knifes through the calm of that silent night. Joseph returns, breathless, water sloshing from the wooden bucket. The top of the baby's head has already pushed its way into the world. Sweat pours from Mary's contorted face as Joseph, the most unlikely midwife in all Judea, rushes to her side. Joseph places a garment beneath her, and with a final push and a long sigh, her labor is over. The Messiah has arrived, wet and slippery from amniotic fluid. The son of the Most High God, umbilically tied to a lowly Jewish girl. The baby chokes and coughs. Joseph instinctively turns him over and clears his his throat. Then he cries, and Mary lays him on her chest, and his cries subside. Deity, nursing from a young maiden's breast. Could anything be more puzzling or more profound? Joseph sits exhausted, silent, full of wonder. The baby finishes and sighs and the divine word reduced to a few unintelligible sounds. Then for the first time, his eyes fix on his mother's. Deity straining to focus, the light of the world squinting, tears pool in her eyes. She touches his tiny hand and hands that once sculpted mountain ranges cling to her finger. And so... With barely a ripple of notice, God stepped into the warm lake of humanity without protocol, without pretension. Where you would have expected angels, there were only flies. Where you would have expected heads of state, there were only donkeys and a few haltered cows, a nervous ball of sheep, a tethered camel, 
a furtive scurry of curious barn mice. Thus, in the little town of Bethlehem, that once silent night, a royal birth of God's Son tiptoed quietly by as the world slept. For me, that captures the wonder of the moment that the sovereign creator of the universe who shaped mountains left glory. Philippians chapter 2 says he stepped down into our world and became a man, and not just any man, but a, a humble baby born to a humble family in a humble place. Don't miss the wonder of that. Every time we read this story, we ought to be amazed at what God was doing. It was, it was so simple, yet so incredibly profound. Max Lucado says it this way. One word describes the night Jesus came. Ordinary. It was an ordinary night with ordinary sheep and ordinary shepherds. There were, if not, a, there was a, if not for a God who hooked an extra on the front of ordinary, that night would have gone unnoticed. I love that. Isn't that great? That this was not just an ordinary night, it was an extraordinary night. Lucado goes on to say, theologians would have looked at their commentaries to figure out, is it really, in verse 11, today the Messiah, the Lord has been born. Theologians would have been consulting commentaries, and he says the elite would have chosen to to see who was there watching. Instead, this simple carpenter, simple shepherds coming to see the wonder of what God had done. Don't miss this. Don't go through Christmas and read the Christmas story. Maybe you read it to your family at Christmas Eve or Christmas morning. Don't miss the wonder. Be amazed at what God did. This is the incarnation. You know what that means? In the flesh. Emmanuel, we just sang it. Emmanuel, God with us. Be amazed at that story. It's incredible. Secondly, from this passage of Scripture, be aware of the fulfillment of God's plan of redemption. Be aware of the fulfillment of God's plan of redemption. In verses 8 through 12, the, the description of the shepherds announcing it, the, angel, I mean, the angels announcing this to the, the angel announcing this to the shepherds, and then in verse 10, the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Verse 11, today... A Savior who is Messiah, the Lord, was born for you in the city of David. And here's the key. Look at verse 12. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in snuggly cloth, lying in a feeding trough. Wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger is the way I learned it. Be aware that this is a fulfillment of prophecy, that it was in Bethlehem, that it happened at this time, that there was a manger, that the shepherds were. All of this is a fulfillment of prophecy We need to connect the dots. We need to help other people connect the dots. That this didn't just happen. This is prophetic fulfillment of what God had said for hundreds of years would happen this way. You go back to the prophets, Isaiah, 700 years or so before the birth of Messiah, specifically prophesying the virgin birth. I I wrote down eight eight, uh, prophecies that were fulfilled in the coming of, of Jesus as he came here in the Christmas story as a baby. His virgin birth mentioned by Isaiah in chapter 7. He was born to be born in Bethlehem. Micah prophesied that. Hosea talked about his flight to Egypt. The slaughter of the innocents by Herod was was also predicted uh, in Jeremiah. His ministry and how it would, would, uh, Isaiah talked about how it would be light shining in the darkness. The people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. 
healing of people. In Isaiah chapter 53, it speaks of how the Messiah would heal people. That he would speak in parables. The psalmist said that in Psalm 58. That he would enter Jerusalem on a cult. Zechariah's prophecy said that. So I just picked those eight, all right? There are hundreds of prophecies fulfilled specifically in Jesus Christ. Those are just eight of them. What are the odds that one person could fulfill just eight prophecies? I'm glad you asked. Here's the odds. One in 10 to the 17th power. That's one hundred quadrillion. That's, that's a one with 17 zeros. That's the odds. Not one to 10, one to 100, one to 1,000, but one to 100 quadrillion. Those are the odds that eight prophecies would be fulfilled in one person. That's just eight. You go and, and look at your Old Testament and see how the prophets foretold, how even going back to the garden in chapter three, the fall of man, you have the, the picture of the, of the bruising of, of, of the, the head. You, you have this, this picture of, of God setting forth his plan of redemption. So we need to be aware of that, that God's fulfilling his purposes by sending Messiah as he did. No accidents, no coincidence, no happenstance, no, well, it, it just happened that way. God ordained it to be that way. Be aware of that. God's fulfilling prophecy when we celebrate Christmas. He said it's gonna be this way. Well, I think about for us, we, we as followers of Christ now, we look forward to the second coming of Christ. Now you look at your scripture and you find, you find uh, another hundred or so prophecies about the second coming of Christ. And look at, our, look at our world today. Look at what's happening. Look at the hostility toward the gospel. Look at, look at everything in our society. Look at worldwide how the gospel doors are being opened. There's, a, there's a, a sense that God is giving us more and more signs that he's ready to wrap things up and for Jesus to come again. See, the very prophecies that were fulfilled in, in Jesus coming as a baby, God's going to fulfill the same prophecies when Jesus comes again. And by the way, he comes again as judge. He calls his church up to be with him, and then there'll be a time of, of difficulty and struggle and tribulation for the world. If you don't know Christ as Savior, the signs are clear, just like they were there for this event we just read about. Be amazed at the story. Be aware that this is a fulfillment of prophecy. Number three, be available to share the good news of the salvation in Jesus Christ. These first two were just sort of for you to, for you emotionally, spiritually, to, to wrap your brain around the reality of the Christmas event. But this, this third point here is for me to challenge you to, to put feet to that. To not just be amazed, to not just be in awe, to not understand that God is fulfilling everything, but for you to be a part in sharing the good news. Look at several verses in this passage in verse 10. The angel says, don't be afraid, I proclaim to you good news of great joy for all people. He's saying, the angel's saying to the shepherds, your responsibility is to proclaim good news to others. Not just to say, wow, this was neat, we got... Uh, uh, angels spoke to us and we found a baby, but for you to take this announcement and, and take it to others. Look also at verse 17. The Bible says, after seeing them, they did exactly what they were to do. They reported the message about the, uh, that they were told about the child. They made it known. And then in verse 20, the Bible says, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and all they had heard. Be available to share the good news. Why did God speak to the shepherds? Why did he let these lowly ones in society be the ones to get the message to see the baby? Because that's where it all started. 
God was coming back to the, 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 the simplicity of the gospel. Sure, he could have announced it with kings and heralded it with trumpets and, and had a grand uh, royal array, but he, he chose to do it this way so that he could meet people right where they were. And their responsibility was to share the good news. Not just to be in awe, not just say, wow, I got to see this, but to say, I've got to do something about it. I love the story in 2 Kings of the, the lepers who were outside the city, and the city was under siege, and they couldn't go in, and so they were out there. They were outcasts, and they came across a, a camp that had been, the Aramean camp that God had made provision for them, and they found all this provision, and they were enjoying it, and, and one of them says to the other, hey, this is, this is a day of good news. We can't keep it to ourselves. We've got to go back and tell the people in the city that's under siege. That's a perfect picture. The gospel is our good news. And for us to enjoy it, for us to celebrate, for us to show up week after week in church and, and enjoy being with God's people, that is not enough. It is not enough to have a holy huddle week after week after week. Aren't you glad the shepherds didn't just huddle up and say, man, that was good? Aren't you glad the disciples didn't, didn't just huddle up and say, man, that was good? Let's sing Kumbaya. Let's sing there's a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. Let's get, let's get a feel for the warm and fuzzy so we can get through the week. That's not what the corporate gathering of the body of Christ is for. It's for us to be edified and exhorted and encouraged and admonished to, to take the good news to those who need it. Is that on your mind when you come to worship? Is that on your mind when you leave? I love some churches put on their exit doors. You're now entering your mission field. Is that on your heart? Or you're thinking about what you're going to have for lunch? Is the roast burning? That's in my, you know, when I grew up, everybody had, everybody had a roast. We either worried about the roast burning or we we're going to get in line at the cafeteria and beat the Methodists there or whatever. And that was, that's all we thought about. In Rockport, is the taqueria going to have room for me? Is that what you're thinking about when you leave here? Instead of God, wow, I've got good news. I'm not going to keep it to myself. I'm going to share it with others. Can you be available to do that? What would happen if everybody left this place every Sunday morning with a passion to share Christ with someone? Man, we have a wide open opportunity here, don't we? Those of you folks that have come in from out of town, you just see it, don't you? Everywhere, the brokenness, people hurting, people who are ready, standing in the grocery store to let you pray with them, not What are people going to say if you start praying for me? But yeah, pray for me. Here's what's going on in my life. Be available to share what God's doing. Let's take the good news to our community. This year we're talking about, as we talk about missions this time of year, taking the good news to the world. It starts here, doesn't it? We had a third grader when we had our Christian school here, Coastal Oaks Christian School. Do you know we still get calls uh, if we have a Christian school, we have to say, no, we don't. But we had a Christian school, and one of our third graders was talking to one of the little kindergarten kids about Jesus. And you know, I think it was a five-year-old. And, and at, in this conversation, this third grader, who was a, a believer, uh, a little girl who had already trusted Christ, realized that this little five-year-old had never heard about Jesus. She went home to her mom, and she said, Mom, she's never heard about Jesus. Never. This little third grader was totally totally flabbergasted that a, a, a kid in our Christian school had never heard about Jesus. I would be too. Must have been the beginning of the year, I hope. 
They went home. They got a Bible and some information and took it to that little girl so she could share Jesus with her friend. And this is what that little third grader said. Mom, this is my first one. Isn't that good? This is my first one. Now, she didn't lead her to Christ. You know what she did? She shared the good news with her. That's all we're called to do. We're called to be a link in the chain, right? Somebody shared with me this week how meaningful that, that analogy was. I wish I'd thought of it. I didn't. I borrowed it. But that's really what a person coming to Christ is. You think about the beginning of the chain and the end of the chain. The beginning of the chain is the first time they hear the gospel. The first time someone shares, whether it's a a word or a reading or a, a testimony on the radio or TV, the first time they hear it, and then there's all these links in the chain, and then all the way to the end of the last link where the person receives Christ. And we have so focused on the last link you got to be the one to close the deal. Then we've forgotten about the rest of the links in there. That little girl, Michelle, she was, she was the first link. But she was excited. Mom, that's my first one. How many first ones are out there? How many, how many people are waiting just to hear from you? I have the good news. Need to be available to share that. Well, it's been a blessing to have those gift cards that people have been sending us. We have another box of gift cards that were sent to us this week. We're going to give some away today that, 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 that at, our, at our event. That, that people have said, I want, I want you to use this to minister to people in Jesus' name. And man, when you hand a person a $50 gift card for groceries, they are open. You hand them a $100 gift card for, to Walmart or Home Depot, and they're open to hearing, why would you give this to me? And we've told our people as you give those away, some of you still have your cards and keep praying about opportunities to share those. Let people know that that's from God, right? This isn't me. It's not Coastal Oaks Church. It's not, God is providing for you by his grace and his provision. Be available. Share the gospel. And number four, did you think I'd ever get to number four? Those of you who are visiting, they know me, all right? Number four, be assured that Jesus changes lives. Be assured. He's a life changer. In our culture, we like to say that's a game changer, right? Somebody got a new this or a new that or went to this course or went to that course or read this book or had that encounter. I mean, that was a game changer. Folks, encountering the Messiah is a life changer. Realize that. Be assured that if you share the gospel with someone, you will make their life for eternity better you notice know, i didn't say you will make their life better jesus does promise a full and meaningful abundant life yes but there's going to be there will be difficulties it's not going to be easy right church there will still be struggles but you will have a relationship with god through those be assured that he wants to change people's lives in verse 18 those who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said in verse 20 the shepherds glorified in praising god They were excited that God was changing lives. Amazed at the good news. That's what Jesus is about. Changing lives. I've shared my own personal call to ministry often with this congregation. The the one reason that that clicked in my little brain to, to be a pastor was when God really showed me the depravity of the people I was living with. 
I, I looked around the city I lived in, and I looked at the brokenness, and I looked at the hurt, and I looked at the despair and the drug abuse and all that was going on, and, and, I, and I just began to hurt for those people. And I, I pray, God, I want to help them. How can I help them? And God spoke really not audibly but into my heart, Kevin, you know how to help them. They need the gospel. They need Jesus. Now, all the stuff we do to help people fix their lives is what we need to do, but ultimately we're trying to lead them to Jesus, right? To be aware that if their life is to be changed, if they're going to be set free from that addiction, it's going to be Jesus that's going to do it. If they're going to get a handle on their finances, they're going to have to trust God with them. It's going to be Jesus that's going to do that. If they're going to be a better husband, a better wife, Jesus is the one that's going to make that change. You want to help marriages in our community? Share Jesus with people. Watch him change the marriage. Watch him change the family. Be assured he's going to change lives. Let's don't, let's don't leave him in the manger in the feeding trough, okay? Let's look at the fact that he's a, a fulfillment of prophecy so that that baby could grow to become a man who lived a sinless life, who could give his life on a cross. Read Philippians chapter 2. So that he could bear the sins of mankind so that whoever, whoever believed in him Romans chapter 10, would not perish but have what? Everlasting life. That's the gospel. That's the message. I love that the choir sang, a baby changes everything. Bret Hart's one of his novels, The Luck of Roaring Camp and other stories, tells a story about a rough mining camp. Rough, difficult, wicked, ungodly men. And a woman delivered a baby in that mining camp and left the baby. So I think the mother ultimately died. The baby was there in this mining camp with all these rough and tumbling, difficult, wicked guys. Guess what they did? They figured, we're going to have to do something about that baby. They learned to change the baby's diapers. They learned to feed the baby. They learned to protect the baby. They started cleaning up around the baby. They started cleaning themselves up. And Hart goes on to tell the story that what happened was that little baby changed that community. I thought, what a great picture of the gospel. What a great picture of Christmas. That, that if we will focus on the Christ, the Messiah, who came as a baby to die as a sinless sacrifice for our sins, this world will be changed. Let's pray together.